What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Bird here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to scale organic marketing so we can run it on autopilot. What are the essential elements we need to have in place for our businesses so that we are able to continuously bring in a steady, predictable stream of organic traffic? If you're wondering the answers to those questions, well, stay tuned. Our guest who joins us in this episode is the founder and CEO of Attract and Scale. He helps coaches, consultants, agency owners, and other online entrepreneurs grow their businesses organically. He's helped countless entrepreneurs leverage the power of organic marketing to hit multi-six-figure and seven-figure revenues in a highly scalable and predictable way. Our guest who joins us in this episode is none other than Lloyd Yip. Lloyd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And I have to say your intro is pretty stellar. (laughs) So kudos to you on that. Lloyd, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And when people think about generating traffic, it's always organic or paid. And you definitely have to leverage both of those. We've talked about paid on the show and other episodes. This one, we're going to be focusing in on organic. So when a lot of people think about organic traffic, they naturally gravitate towards Google and SEO. Do you think that's the main area we should be focusing our organic traffic efforts, or is there some other choice we should consider? Those are great choices. Yet for me, I think that utilizing social media organically is really powerful because there's already an existing audience on those particular platforms. And if you understand where they hang out in, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, in whichever social platform you choose, it's pretty easy to tap into them instead of needing to build up SEO juice over months and months and months of getting backlinks and you know, getting other guest bloggers or being a guest blogger yourself. And when you can really just understand the back end of each of these social media platforms to be able to just go in and hijack the existing community and the existing traffic that's already interested about whatever you're already trying to promote is pretty easy. So um, obviously there's a lot of tactics behind the scenes to get that done, but I think that to be able to leverage what is already a pre-existing traffic that already is really interested in a particular topic, it's, it's kind of a shortcut to me. I love social media too, because that's more conversation heavy. While Google is more of someone's looking to the answer for their question, you can build relationships through Google. You can build an audience, but a lot of the people who use Google, it's like a one and done type of transaction, unless they see you so often in the search results. And I know a lot of people say like, oh, like, you know, Google, a lot of traffic and, you know, free organic traffic. But the people who are actually page one high rank, it's not free. They're running a lot of tools. They're probably paying people to create content. Not all of them, definitely some of them, or they have an SEO agency. Like it's not free to have that page one on Google in most cases. Social media, you've got a tribe that you could build out. But Lloyd brings up a great point. Like you got to go where your potential client is. You can't just go on social media and post for fun and uh, unless that's what you want to do. But to get clients, you got to think about where are your clients? So how do we get more clear about where our clients hang out? And then how do we start that interaction? Yeah, that's such a good question, Mark. And the reality is, depending on your audience, you're going to probably utilize a different platform. For me, I go after coaches, consultants, agency owners, 
they happen to be pretty diverse and spread out. So I could use Facebook. I could use Instagram. I could use LinkedIn. And the reality is I do use multiple channels, but for you, if you're either, you know, working with a bit more of a focused niche, or if you just lack the bandwidth, my recommendation is just pick the one where you have the highest density of your audience. So for example, let's say your audience are HR managers working at companies with over 50 employees. LinkedIn seems to be a pretty clear bet to me. Whereas if you're going after people that are hairstylists, I think Instagram is amazing. Facebook could be great too. Facebook is kind of like versatile because it's the biggest platform out there. There's a lot of things that you can do, but that's the first question that I would ask. It's where is your audience in the most dense? And then also considering just what is your bandwidth? If your bandwidth is less, just pick one. If you have a bigger team, you can start to get a bit more creative and in, in doing more things. Now, I really love LinkedIn because you get so much search filter options where yes. you can see if the person is part of a company that has over 50 employees. You can see what state, city, county they're in. You could go really granular with your search. Now, as someone who uses LinkedIn and gets a lot of messages, you could kind of read what a sales message looks and feels like where it's like, oh, I know you're part of like this company and I have this thingy that helps you grow your business. And it goes something like that. Anyone who's been on LinkedIn for any amount of time and connected with any number of people has seen that. How do we, as we're talking to our potential clients, make them more interested in what we have to say versus sounding like all the other people because it's no secret that LinkedIn is a great way to get prospects and customers. It's just a matter of a lot of people kind of rush to get the customer. Yeah. And you bring up a great point. And funny thing is it's not even just LinkedIn. The reality is yeah, cold DMs right. are being fired across every messaging platform. I mean, email was kind of, you know, the OG so was the phone. I mean, I don't know how many people still do cold calls anymore in our industry. They still do. But on Facebook, people send cold DMs. On Instagram, they send cold DMs. On LinkedIn, of course, you've experienced it firsthand. Um, so to me, it's kind of a two-step approach to solving this and cutting yourself apart from the rest of the pack. The first step is initiate with content first. If you are able to bring people to you so that they're already warm, so that they already know what your story is, utilizing valuable content distributed right to the appropriate channel that your audience is hanging out in, then it makes it much easier for you to just get inbound messages. And then you don't even need to do anything cold. However, the mistake that a lot of content marketers make is that they assume that, okay, I'm going to just put out content. It's going to be great. And I'm just going to get a flood, a torrent of inbound messages. And the reality is that just doesn't happen most of the time. In fact, even if you see a hundred people engaging or liking or commenting on your post, that's a hundred people that like your stuff. A very small percentage are actually going to reach out or DM you. So what you need to do is once you have content being pushed out there, take the next step and actually be proactive and reach out to the people who gave even the faintest sign of interest, whether it be that they saw your stuff and they liked or left a comment or shared or sent you a friend request. Most of those people will never have actually DM'd you or sent a demo request, but you've now been given this opportunity to identify, oh, this person likes my stuff, and then I can reach out to them and be proactive. This is kind of like a hybrid outreach strategy where you utilize content together, and sometimes you'll get inbound immediately, and sometimes it just gives you the opportunity to do warm outbound, which to me is much better than pure cold outbound. Now, if you're in an industry where 
warm outbound is kind of hard or people aren't resonating with your content. I mean, making content great is a podcast is a separate podcast in and of itself. But if you are to have to do cold uh, outreach, my recommendation is to have a much more conversational flow. So don't go in and just pitch right away. Give it a little bit of time. The analogy that I think we like to use as marketers is always the dating world. Like you're not going to go and ask someone as your first sentence, like, Hey, do you want to go out on a date with me? <laughs> like, come on, ask, ask my name first, get a sense of what I'm about. And once you kind of massage it and qualify and find out what their problems are and maybe banter a little bit, especially on platforms like LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, where it is like an instant messenger experience, don't fire off and pitch right away. Have a bit of a dialogue and qualify. And you know what, if they're a good fit, you'll know. And then they're going to actually want to continue the conversation once you've had a bit of rapport built. So that would be my recommendation if someone's starting from the ground zero and just trying to solve like basic organic marketing from, uh, from the start. I love the relationship example Lloyd brings up, especially when in business, we talk about meeting new people as if it's like starting a new relationship. You don't ask for it a date on day one and it takes several years to get to a marriage. If you do end up getting to that point and you got to think the same way with your marketing. I mean, some people uh, like, you know, I've been talking with them for years and some of them, like they just then become a client or they're getting a little closer because it takes sometimes like people got to warm up to you. Other times it's, they want to work with you, but they just don't have the time. Uh, so it's very, you got to be very long-term focused if you are going to use social media to get clients and the content you create is vital because again, like I don't want someone to shove a strategy call link, uh, like at the very first, like it's good to have that link available because that's how you build a relationship even more, but that's not the number one. That's not message number one. And the content you create, like I narrate audiobooks. This is one of the things I do. I would want to, if I'm reaching out to someone who has a book that has been narrated, I would rather lead in with a, you know, like five reasons to start an audiobook, something to pike that interest a little bit rather than just rushing into the sale. Now, obviously when people think about this, they think about numbers. What's your approach for reaching out to people? Is there like a 10 people a day? Is there, I know people are different, but I'm wondering what have you seen that works best for you? Yeah. So it kind of depends on the platform as well, because different platforms have different limits where you can't really uh, go past them unless you want to get risk. You want to risk getting banned. So LinkedIn as of right now is around 60 to 70 reach outs per day. Um, if you're using automation tools, just be cautious that you are using tools that are not going to get you in trouble. So no Chrome extensions, please. And definitely space out any of your messages throughout the rest of the day. And even still just be cautious. Um, Facebook has a little bit more of a, a strict set of rules. So you don't even want to go above 40 per day, to be honest. Instagram, um, is kind of the same. It's both run by Facebook, uh, email, depending on the platform they're using, because you could use a mass emailer, of course, you have a little bit more flexibility, but those are some of the limits that I would say. And that's more relevant to a solopreneur, right? If you're building a business and you have employees and you have sales reps, then you can multiply that by the number of accounts. But like, I don't even want to look at the activity metric as being the end all be all, because what really matters more is how many meetings you're booking. So if you can get away with having much less messages, but because your conversion rate's really high due to your content or because you're personalizing, then just do what it is that needs to be done for you to actually get closer to the bottom of the funnel metrics. 
Um, and that's really, really critical. And to your point earlier, Mark, um, a lot of these deals aren't going to be closed on the first touch point. In fact, a lot of the sales calls aren't going to even be booked on the first touch point. So beyond just worrying so much about the activity metrics, what I actually would value a lot, and this is both for myself and for my clients, it's what is your process of nurturing? Do you have a strong nurturing process so that when you do do your certain number of reaches every single day or every single week, that even if that person doesn't necessarily convert right away, you actually have a process to squeeze more juice out of your orange a month down the line or two months down the line. Because if all we focus on is like top of the funnel activity, but then as soon as we're like past the second follow-up and we just give up, like I would rather be the person who reaches out to half the number of people, but I actually have an appropriate follow-up process and appropriate indoctrination and nurturing process that sustains for a couple months online than just someone who spams out a trillion messages a day, but then never follows up or keeps engaged or builds a real relationship. Um, That has a huge difference to maker. And I really love that approach because each of these platforms, they have a limit to how many messages you could send out each day. But if you could send out 10 messages and convert one out of 10, it's better to do that than send out 60 messages and convert none of them. So you want to think about your conversion rate and how many people you could properly follow up with beyond that first communication point. And if you're only doing 10 people a day, it forces you to get more specific about who you reach out to versus just reaching out to anybody. And is there a way to make this eventually run on autopilot? Because I know some people like, you know, you want to like, no matter, there's no avoiding the hard work. Like there's no, like, I feel like when people hear about autopilot, it's like, I just cruise, but it's a lot of hard work to get there. And even then it's still work to like manage everything and like, you know, service the clients. But I'm wondering, is there a point where we get a little closer to that status or what that could look like? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's funny, the most automatic tactic out there, or so it is perceived to be is like paid advertising. But I mean, ask anyone who runs paid ads well, how long it took before they a like solved it from a skill set perspective, that's not autopilot. <laughs> and then of course, always <laughs> the, you add copy and managing your business manager and all that different stuff is going to require a lot of time, right? So when it comes to organic, there's a couple things that you can do. Um, to make this process just more autopilot, as you said. And what we had talked about up to this point is still kind of manual. Like you can definitely get your business to do multi-five figures doing it, but it's a bit painful because it's so much on you. The first thing that I will say to get this thing to autopilot is you need to drastically shorten the sales cycle. And when I talk about the sales cycle, I mean, from the first call to when you close the deal, how long does it take? And the truth is, if you are generating all of your uh, calls from just like cold outreach, your sales cycles are typically going to be quite long because a lot of the selling that has to happen now has to happen on the call. And since it's cold outreach, they are not entering any of these sales calls already knowing a ton about you. So they're going to ask a ton of questions on the first sales call. And then they're going to be like, Oh, I got to go back and think about it. Got to talk to my partner. Got to, you know, check out your, your concepts and whatever. And then it ends up dragging out into like a three week sales cycle with four calls. Very, very painful. And this is not scalable unless you have a big sales team. And even so like your sales team is going to be annoyed that it's so hard to close a deal. So instead, what I would say is the first point of automation or you know what? No autopilot scalability and autopilot automation is the wrong word here. Um, But the first point of autopilot is to utilize content and community and thought leadership in order to take your sales cycles and drastically shrink them. 
Because what you want to do is have someone enter a sales call already willing to buy, already knowledgeable about what you do. And the way that you do this is by utilizing those social media platforms where you've been building your audience, right? Whether it be LinkedIn or Facebook. And once they actually meet you for the first time, maybe they joined your list via a cold outreach campaign, or maybe they just saw your content, hit them in the head with more content, have them join your Facebook group so that they can see you sharing additional live streams or get them into your podcast somehow so that they can listen to more of your audio content, get them into your YouTube channel. This is ongoing sustained content after the first touch point that allows them to, once they arrive into the sales call, already be super indoctrinated. That'll be a really critical aspect to have this autopilot thing run so that things are just much more smooth. But then the second thing is to actually just scale out the meeting setting and the closing, because even if you can shrink the sales cycles down dramatically, if you're still needing to spend time booking the meetings or closing the deals, that's still unscalable, even if the sales cycles are really fast. So that's when you actually bring on a sales team. For me, commission only makes a lot of sense if you're doing, uh, if you're running more of a, a closer role, an appointment setter role can be done in a very, very lean, low base salary plus a commission structure role. So overall, it's still a very, very lean system. It's primarily variable cost. And if you can set up the right SOPs and the right framework so that you're bringing on the right people and you train them to just manage all of your content distribution, meeting, booking, and closing the deals, then you pretty much will have everything done automatically. So there's a couple more moving pieces, of course, but eventually all of that content distribution, community management, uh, meeting, booking, and closing should be done by other people. And you can just focus more on the CEO and uh, like founder type of stuff. And I really love what Lloyd said there about the sales cycle. Like the content is that introductory discovery phase. So instead of like a one hour discovery call, you just lead people to content. Maybe it's like three videos, three blog posts, or maybe even just one. That's all some people may need, but it's important to look at that sales cycle. How long does it take to turn someone who has never met you before into a client? And how much time is that where it's like, like content, you just give them the content and that's it. But how many of your hours and calls to convert someone into a client? These are very important things to think about. And it's good to look at for any clients you have, when that person first paid you and when the first correspondence happened, that's a really easy way to just see what the sales cycle looks like. Lloyd, this has been such an awesome episode for people who want to follow your work and learn more about you. Where do you suggest we go? Yeah, there's a couple of resources. And um, the first one is my own Facebook group. I'm sharing content all the time. I'm doing live streams, Q and A's. You can interact directly with me and talk to me and my team. So that's one really awesome way and easy way for us to stay connected. And within that, I actually have additional webinars and trainings that you can of course check out. But something that I built specifically for you, Mark, and the listeners here, I actually have this assessment and it more or less will talk about how scalable and effective your organic system is today. So it's literally a three to four minute quiz. It might even be faster if you just like smash the questions and you already know the answers in advance. But what it does is it will assess where your business is at now, how scalable your organic engine is, and it'll give you a custom report based off of the strengths and weaknesses that you have. And that way you can have some pretty particular takeaways that will lead you to understanding what you can do in Q1 or Q2 of 2021 to improve your organic process. At the time of recording this, it is like pretty 
you know, early in January. So in the situation, this is released later than maybe Q3, Q4. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it, it's really there for you so that it's an easy to consume piece of content that will give you some more customized and tailored methods instead of just giving you, you know, a generic catch-all blog post that, you know, won't be as specific to you in your unique situation. So that's really what it is. Um, thank you so much for having me on, Mark. I had a blast and hopefully you did too. And hopefully the audience listening to this will get some value. Lloyd, thank you so much for coming on the show. All those resources will be down below. Breakthrough Success listeners, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And Lloyd, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it.